Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Hello and everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Tugerlag, better known as Two Guys, A League and Guests. Uh, A little bit of an emphasis on the guests this week, as both Marty and I are thrilled to welcome Michael Amato. Uh, He of the managing editor of Goalie Post. He's got a weekly article, uh, 20 Fantasy Thoughts, and is also a contributing writer for uh, for Sportsnet. And he just started up his own um, podcast as well, and is the co-host, along with Jason Chen, of uh, the Hockey News Sleepers and Keepers podcast. Uh, they've got three episodes in there, so be sure to check that out as well. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot welcome, for joining Michael. us. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Yeah, we're three episodes in, so we got a, a long way to go to catch up to you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll get hey, there. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn sure as well. So listen, I mean, uh, uh, you know, we wanted to switch it up just a little bit here, Michael. We didn't want to just kind of have you come on the show and start firing off uh, top fives of uh, all sorts of categories, although we will have you do that a little later on. Um, we wanted to kind of just get to know uh, a, a little bit about you. And uh, you know what? We'll uh, we'll start things off here. Marty's got a, a question for you. Uh, so basically, Mike and I have been, one of the main reasons why we're doing this podcast, because he and I have been in this uh, league, the CFHL, for I think this is the 31st year, right, Mike? Wow. We're right around the 30-year yeah. mark, if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah. So And even prior to that, a couple of years, I believe he was there with us. My, I'm from Cornwalls, and there was always this uh, police hockey draft. My father was a police officer, so we always just sort of tagged along in there. So, I mean, we've been doing this for a lo- really long time, but I know that's not necessarily the case for everybody. So what about you? Like, where are your humble beginnings? Why did you get into fantasy hockey? So I was involved in fantasy hockey um, probably before it even was fantasy hockey, and I guess you guys... Uh, probably did the same, but I guess you just call it hockey pools back then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was telling someone the story the other day, you know, kind of in the the mid nineties. Um, I'm not trying to age myself here, but yeah, when I was a, <laughs> a teenager, my, my cousin used to run uh, a lot of hockey pools. And back then, you know, it was literally pen and paper and we would get the, the Toronto sun and we'd grab the nice. stats and that's how yeah. we'd score it. And then, a couple of years later, you know, Microsoft Excel came out and we thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, you <laughs> Absolutely. charting it that way. Um, but yeah, that was my humble beginnings in, in fantasy hockey. And I've always loved it. And as I got older, I, I kind of got into sports journalism. And okay. uh, I did an internship at the Hockey News about 12 years ago. And that's oh, when cool. it kind of got connected with Dauber uh, and his website. Because I didn't really even realize at the time like fantasy hockey or fantasy football writing or fantasy baseball writing was a thing. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, this could be like an interesting way to get my foot in the door in, in the industry. And for sure. it just kind of always stuck. Like I ended up going to the score for about five years, working full time covering wow. the NFL, but I always did kind of fantasy hockey stuff on the side. And then I left the score to kind of go back to a more nine to five job that was better for kind of family life. But I just kept sure. doing the, doing the fantasy hockey stuff on the side and, Eventually got back with I got into Sportsnet um, writing there and yeah I just kind of kept it going and kind of the I guess like the pandemic I really rededicated myself because I had so much time Every, uh, everyone did yeah. I guess like so much time for fantasy hockey and I'm like oh, I should yeah. just start writing more about it and nice. yeah I just kind of progressed there but it's been kind of a long journey of just general I guess 
love of sports and sports writing, but then kind of that fantasy twist. Yeah, it's interesting too. Nice, about nice. The, in terms of the pandemic, there was a lot of obviously a lot of negative around the pandemic, but it did it pulled a lot of people back to the roots. I find because yeah. I kind of did something similar. But uh, it's it's cool that you actually use that opportunity to actually you know really get sink your teeth into something like this. Yeah, it just became one of those things where you know I had to do some. I, I when I left the score, I didn't. I wasn't doing a ton of writing. I was sort of um, managing the goalie posts. Uh, website just making goalie updates but kind of staying involved and yeah I just like my buddies and I we don't we don't have a league as long as yours I think it's ours has been like 15 years now but just we're really competitive too and yeah I just started getting back into the writing side and you know it just kind of something I got passionate about again it's kind of weird I, I always I think sports writing it, it can be like a really if you're doing it full-time it's it's challenging because there's a lot of nights and weekends and holiday work and yeah. travel yeah. so for me this is kind of a a good way to balance it. I'm able to kind of scratch that itch that I have, but also kind of maintain that, that life balance. So it's been good. Good. That's cool. So, so, so Michael, speaking of the goalie post, can you give us a little background kind of how that all started out and kind of the, the, the beginnings of, of, of that site? Somewhat. Um, so Do- Daryl Dobbs, obviously that uh, runs Dauber hockey. He has a whole yeah. lot yeah. of other sites, whether it's frozen tools, which is really good goalie yeah. posts, a couple others. So he really, is the guy that created it. Um, when I left the score, I was just looking to kind of, I, I had written for the main Dauber site for a long time in the past. I was okay. an associate editor there writing the, the main ramblings. Um, yeah, and when yeah. I left the score, I just kind of wanted to keep my foot in the door. And I just sent him a message. Like I hadn't talked to him in a, in a while. I just said, Hey, do you need, do you need me for anything? And he said, I have this um, manager spot of the goalie post site available. It's a little bit of work here and there. It's just kind of mainly updating you know goalies every day and starting goalies and i said yeah i'll take it and then i just started writing they, they, no one was really writing for the blog there at the time the goalie post blog so i started okay. doing that again and i guess that's kind of what helped me get back into it fantasy hockey a lot because when you kind of following those twitter feeds to look for the goalie starts you see so much information and and just different the day per day stuff twitter. yeah yeah exactly and then it just was kind of a natural fit and i just sort of solely came back in that way nice nice so let me listen with these drafts. I mean, uh, we have ours in two days, uh, yeah. but drafts are going on everywhere, uh, starting up just about any time right now. And for the next week, week and a half to a couple of weeks uh, leading up to the start of the season. Michael, from, from your perspective, how would you prepare for a draft yourself personally? And like, how many teams would you have in any given year? Like, do you think, do you think that there is so, so something as too much or is it just a matter of what you can literally manage? Yeah, when you when you say teams, you mean how many teams you're managing? Uh, fa- yeah, fan- fantasy yeah. leagues, yeah. Well, um, so the first part of your question, I guess, what would I do to prepare for a draft? I think I always say, you know, it's great to look at kind of rankings. A lot, a lot of people have rankings. I have my top 250. A lot of people out there have their yeah. 250. But every league is really different, right? I encourage everyone to make sort of a rough draft of your own rankings based on what works for your league categories and your league scoring system because you know that there's uh, there's similar leagues obviously but every league is different and you kind of know after you've been in a league for a while what players will be very effective in your league if you have things like hits and penalty minutes um everyone has different categories and i I always say it takes takes two to three years i think of joining a league before you really really get the hang of like hey this is how i need to build my team and my roster. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I always do. 
The second thing I, I really focus on is I, I try to look at regression a lot, like what players, everyone focuses on, you know, breakouts and sleepers, but who's going to regress, right? Someone like Eric Carlson, is he going to score 100 points again? Probably not. So you don't want to draft him as a 100-point player, right? Or you might be disappointed. Um, you want to kind of pencil him in for what you think. Maybe he's an 80, 80 85-point player this year if all goes well, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're drafting him in the first or second round, maybe you're a little disappointed, um, depending on how it goes. So that's a big thing. And I think last one is maybe more specific to my team or roster building. I'm a big fan of kind of trying to get bargain goalies late or even off the waiver wire in the first okay. week. So I never really – you'll never see me draft a goalie probably even in like the first 10 rounds. Um, okay. I'm always – like last wow. year, I'll give you an example. Um and this might be the worst goalie draft of all time. I drafted, <laughs> I drafted Cal, uh, Cal Peterson, Anton Forsberg, and Philip Grubauer with my last three picks. None oh. of them really hit, nope. but I quickly, but you know, I always go that route, and I quickly turned them into like Aiden Hill, who was off waivers, Piotr Kachekov, I end up getting. Oh wow! And Jeremy Swayman was on waivers too. So I what? always think, I always wow. think you can, I always think you can get great value in the first week or two off waivers with goalies as opposed to spending a really high pick on one because you can't do that with skaters, right? That's true. Like if yeah. you look at last year, like look at how valuable Stuart Skinner was, for example. Yeah. You could have got that guy off waivers. Gustafson, probably off waivers. Phoenix, yeah. Cop Phoenix Copley, waivers, right? So you can't grab like someone as good as Braden Point off waivers, right? Like in the first yeah, round. Like there's point. just there's just no way. So that's just a personal thing. I'm not saying you know, it works for everyone. If you draft the goalie high, sometimes it can work out really well too. Um, but I also think when you draft a goalie high, you end up getting pretty loyal to them. And if they start struggling, you're like, I don't want to give up on Demko yeah. last yeah. year who yeah. had a rough first month or even, <laughs> even Saros had a pretty rocky first three weeks yep. last year, as opposed to if you draft the, you know, players in the last few rounds, you just, if they hit great, if they don't, you just move on and you yeah. kind of take it week to week. But that's just a personal thing I do. And I guess you said well, managing teams just quickly. I, I don't do, I don't have a lot of leagues. I'm only in a couple just because I almost find it's not as fun if you're in so many leagues because you're almost like, yeah, every time some, someone does something well, it's like, it's hurting you in another league. So you can't even get excited about it. <laughs> yes. It's like, Oh, great. Like <laughs> yeah, I know what a, you mean. McDavid got a hat trick tonight, but he scored the three goals on Demko who I also have in another yeah. league. So like, yeah. it's, it's awful. Right. So yeah, yeah that's just me. Well, I, I got to say, Michael, you pretty much answered another one of my questions that I had later on in regards to the zero goalie strategy and your thoughts on that. Oh, okay. so thank you very much for answering that as well at the same time, because I mean, it was it's definitely something that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure popped in a lot of people's minds over the past few years. And just with goalies being such a volatile position, right? It, it's it's one of those things where unless you have one of those top kind of three, maybe even you know, four guys yeah. in the league, you're kind of really not able to lean on, on much else hundred percent. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for answering that at the same time as well. Yeah. And yeah, actually, I mean, I... sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, no. I was going to say, it actually leads right into my next question for you, which is specifically about how it's, I find we're in a very different area right now in terms of goalies, right? You've got about 14 teams that have a true starting goalie after that. It's all shared crease time. 
So my question to you is, and now I, I heard your latest podcast and, and you did talk about Carolina a little bit because this is actually a very good example. One of the best teams in the league, definitely going to contend for a playoff spot, if not the Stanley Cup. Um, but you've got a crease that's kind of a big question mark. You've got three goalies there in Anderson, who's you know hard to keep healthy. You got Ranta, who now this is where I thought was very intriguing that you pointed this out. Ranta is actually making less money than Kochetkov, which is yeah. which makes him, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit more valuable, obviously, in terms of one of the three. Now, taking that out of the equation for a second, of the remaining teams, are there goalies that you're looking because it sounds like that's kind of your strategy a little bit where you sort of bargain pick who are there goalies that you're currently looking at not to try and I don't know if you've already drafted in your league or not maybe you'll give away some secrets here but <laughs> are there at least maybe three or four goalies that you're looking at getting um, a sort of a, a, a few more starts that maybe other fantasy owners should be looking at and considering. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I always write an article like every summer or every early fall on that exact thing, just the guys to target. Um, and I would say generally, like you're kind of looking for three things from a goalie. So number one, you want the team to be good in general, right? So you want wins, right? Number one. So yeah. number two, you're looking for a goalie behind a number one that's maybe not 100% solidified that job. So there is some kind of a crack of an opening for an opportunity, whether it be via injury or, or maybe just poor play from the goalie in front of them. Right. And then three, ideally a good defensive team. Um, you can't have everything, obviously. I think Carolina is the, the perfect example that exemplifies all three. You have two goalies in front of like Kochekov, let's say, that have a hard time staying healthy. They're a really strong team overall, and they're arguably maybe one of the, maybe the best defensive team in hockey. I guess you could argue that. Um yeah. So I think generally they look like that. For for me, some goalies this year that I actually like are uh, Joseph Wall in Toronto. I think you know Samsonov oh. is Samsonov has never played more than forty four games in a season. So True. I guess to think if he's going to play fifty five or sixty to me this year, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. So you might end up getting Wall for at least thirty five starts on a, in a worst case scenario, in a best case scenario, maybe more. And and again, he's got a really strong team, regular season team anyway, in front of him. Um, and another one is Akira Schmid in New Jersey, kind of yeah. stole the job from Vanacek last year in the playoffs. Jersey, another really good team. Vanacek kind of limped to the finish line, so he's he's another option. Um, there's a couple others, like Joel Hofer, I think, in St. Louis could probably steal that job. Yeah. I don't know how good the Blues are going to be this year. You know, Bennington doesn't really have a firm uh, grasp on it. They might not be as strong there. Um, so I think there's a, a handful of of guys you could look at obviously Devin Levi in Buffalo um if the Sabres end up being really strong this year he could and he gets that number one job he could be, have a lot of value too yeah nice. and it's it, actually it's funny though, those guys that you mentioned are definitely high up on my radar but I've got two other guys and I, I just quickly pick your yep. brain about um Corpusalo Yep. And uh, Gustafson out of uh, Minnesota, like I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I'm really drawn because of what Minnesota is. Like they're a good defensive team with some pretty good offensive players, and I just feel like because Mark Andre Fleury is essentially there as sort of a mentor, right? Um, yep. And he he's up there in age. I don't see him necessarily playing too many games. But what do you think of those two goalies? So I like Gustafson a lot. I think um, he's probably in my opinion, less under the radar now because of the way he yeah. played last year than last some of the year, others. Yeah. Yeah. But um, again, I think with Gustafson, he played so well last year. 
He's almost like Allmark to me. It's almost going to be impossible for his numbers not to, to come down a little bit. But yeah, he, he'd be good value for me. Corpusalo, I like too. I think with him, again, it's volume. I don't know if he's if he's ever hit 40 games in a season, maybe roughly around there. And yeah. is Ottawa, you know, how good is Ottawa going to be? Are they going to be better this year? I think they will be. Um, and Anton Forsberg's still there. So yeah, but, yeah. It, but I will say this. Corpusalo is probably a good bet to make in, in the late rounds if you are going like zero G strategy. I think he'd be a good bet. Okay. Perfect. Uh, next question for you, Michael. I mean, this is kind of like the, the old versus the new a little bit. I mean, analytics is kind of uh, really driving a lot of, uh, of information for some of these managers and organizations. Um, but there has to be some room for gut feelings in the eye test. So, like, how much would you personally lean on something like that as opposed to? Uh, uh, the analytical side of it uh, when predicting or picking your own teams? I think you have to have a, a good balance of both. Um, I'm more, I would say, statistically driven, but I do use... One of the things I try to do is watch a lot of games. I think that's a lost art in fantasy hockey. And yeah. I, obviously everyone's busy with their life. And, you know, it's just, this is nobody's... A lot of people, it's just a casual thing, right? It's hard to, <laughs> yeah. hard to dedicate so much time to it. But I think if you watch games, you get a better idea of, okay, this guy's got like three goals in his last two games, but how is he actually playing? Like, is he, does he look good? Does he look like he's flying out there? I think, I think stuff like that, just watching games and getting a feel for how players are playing, lines are meshing is a big thing. So that, that sort of goes with more of the eye test thing. And obviously I think there's going to be a little bit of gut feeling always involved. Like if you're adding a goalie on Sunday to try to save your week in a head-to-head league, a lot of times it's going to be three or four goalies sitting there with pretty similar, you know, outlooks and you kind of just have to go with the gut feeling sometimes. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely going to be some of that. Um, and like, and even with zero G, right? Like a lot of it. Yeah. You're looking at some things like opportunities for goalies, but a lot of it is, you know, I think maybe this guy has a chance to do something this year. Um, so there is a bit of that. I, I don't think you can completely break everything down to numbers. Um, and I think maybe, to expand on the gut feeling part, I think there's other things you can maybe factor into some of your draft picks or your rankings is, is things like, you know, the, the likelihood of injury for a player, right? Like that's hard to quantify with analytics, let's say, but, you yeah. know, I always have this debate with people when I do rankings for leagues with hits, right? People think I have somebody like Brady Kachuk or, or Boone Jenner or those types of players a little bit lower than they should be. But I always figure um, the that style of play lends itself to, potentially getting injured and missing a few more games, right. Than another player. So little kind of nuances like that also come into play. I think. Um, Marty, I think you have, you have one last question. Yeah. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfish. I got to ask this question (laughs) because it affects one of my players. I made a trade for Troy Terry in the off season. Okay. And then lo and behold, last couple of days, I'm sure you heard Zegris is potentially, I mean, they're so they're miles apart right now in terms of contract. Um, one, were you surprised? Like, did you expect Anaheim to kind of come out like this? And two, will it, how, how much will this affect Troy Terry? Because again, that's a player I traded for. (laughs) Yeah. So I am a little surprised, um, especially, you know, like if if you're the ducks, you're probably not going to be that good again this year. Do you really want to anger one of your, (laughs) basically your franchise player, maybe your cornerstone player for the next, you know, you're hoping 10 to 15 years, maybe more. Um, And again, I don't know exact terms, but yeah, it's, it feels like um, it's something that you, a road you don't want to go down. But again, 
Pat Verbeek's kind of new there. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, set a standard, set a tone. But second part of your question, yeah, I wouldn't be super excited about it if I had Troy Terry. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, Zegris, obviously Zegris is a huge part of that. Um, you know, that said, the Ducks, they do have some good young players that could maybe step up. Like, I, I like Mason McTavish a lot. I don't know if, yep. if Zegris isn't starting the year. Maybe he gets bumped up or something like that. Um you know, they brought Kalorn in, who yeah. actually scores, scores at a decent rate. Like, if he's the other winger on that Terry line, I don't know how it's going to shake out yet. Maybe that helps him. But, yeah, I don't really envision a scenario where Zegris isn't in the lineup. That helps Terry. And, I mean, you got to think that they're going to get something done because it just, I don't know, you, you don't want him sitting out. No, especially con- considering the types of highlights they had last year. Why is my... Sorry about that. Um the types of highlights that they had, the two of them last year, like, I mean, the NHL themselves are very excited about this pairing. So yeah, yeah all of this coming out pretty surprising. Um, I just, I wonder if Troy Terry has it in him to be able to find at least something uh, that resembles the type of success he's had with Zegras with possibly, like you mentioned, either McTavish or Kalorn or maybe even Carlson, uh, you know, the guy yeah. they just drafted. Who knows what they're planning. But I mean, if you keep in mind, if you look at the last maybe four or five years, there's been some similar cases like this, where it was I think last year, Jason Robertson, they got that yeah. done right before the season. Marner was True. obviously a, a popular one that they got that done. Kind of training camp is is sort of one of those soft deadlines yeah. where, you know, it kind of gets people talking again. So if I were to put money on it, I have a feeling he's not going to miss many games, if any. But yeah, it is. Yeah. I hear you. It's un- It's a bit unnerving right now. Yeah. Although I think he he appeared today at the at the training camp, did he not? Zegras? Oh, I didn't see. But, I, I uh, think I think I saw a picture of him on uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week um, with like oh. those pants, the 30th anniversary pants. He was signing a thing for a, a oh, kid. That's a good sign. So, yeah, let's hope. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>. hope. <laughs> Speaking of hope, a lot of a lot of man a lot of managers are hoping uh, to get the right players in their drafts this year. Uh, I, I'm certainly looking forward to two hours and seeing how that all shakes down. So, you know what, Michael, let's get right into it. Top five goalies, top five skaters and top five sleepers. Seeing as you're a goalie post guy, let's go with the goalies first. Who have you got as your top five for the 2023-2024 NHL season? All right, I've got uh, so one and two. I've got Shesterkin one, and just just slightly behind him, I've got Sorokin, Ilya Sorokin. Um, I have those guys very close. I think if the Islanders were a little bit of a stronger team, I might even flip them. I just think Shesterkin's probably going to end up with maybe half a dozen more wins or so than Sorokin, so I give him the slight edge. Um, I still have Vasilevsky third. Um, unless this changes, if you're in a keeper league, then I think I would bump Odinger ahead of him. Um, but I've got yeah. Odinger fourth and then maybe a surprise. I have Yorgiev, Alexander Yorgiev fifth, um, had a really great season last year. I think he's one of those goalies that is going to probably play 60 games for you and have really good numbers. There's not that many out there. He's got a really great team, uh, in front of him. So those would be my five, um, heading into this year. Oh, I mean, I got to like Georgiev and he's just in a great situation for, for wins, just simple win totals. Right. I mean, with that team, I mean, and, and of course, I mean, great defense there that, 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 I mean, basically insulates him quite nicely too. So uh, perfect. So what have you got for the skaters, Michael? Skaters is probably easy. Well, the top few are easy. I obviously I got McDavid 
first. Um, Fair enough. Some, I've heard some people <laughs> ask, some people have asked me questions recently in my mailbag column, like, is there anyone other than Drysidle you would justify it too? And, and I don't think there is. Um, I think, Thank I think, you. <laughs> I think, I think Drysidle is like, yeah. he's, he's the second best player in the world, in, in my opinion. Um, yes. I think like, I, I keep trying to, someone, someone asked me like, would you take McKinnon over him? I have McKinnon at three. I, like McKinnon had, other than McDavid or Drysdale, he had the best points per game last year. So I think to me, he's a clear three, but I just keep rocking my brain. I can't see any angle to get those guys. Um, no. And, and, like anybody above those two. They're just <laughs> no. very good. Um, McDavid is clear, or excuse me, Drysdale is clearly not a product of McDavid. He's just his own Tremend, exactly. tremendous yeah. player you see what he did for like nugent hopkins last year yep it worked wonders for him so Absolutely. i've got those guys one two i've got mckinnon third my fourth overall was kind of a bit of a uh interesting topic that people were debating when i put on my rankings i got jack hughes at four this year i think it's maybe a okay. bit high for some people i just think <laughs> almost had 100 points last year a lot of potential to improve in my opinion and new jersey's got a loaded top six so yeah i would bet the the over on 100 points this year for him so that's what i have really? especially and if you're in a keeper i think he's obviously a young guy that you're gonna have for a long time so, Even more so i got him there um and fifth i've got david posternak um slightly okay. were slightly worried about patrice bergeron but i don't again i think he's his own talent i don't think he's yeah. gonna he's gonna miss him i think maybe he's more of a 50 goal score than a 60 goal score without bergeron but you're getting 50 goals from him you're probably and, and he's probably yeah. gonna be maybe near the top of the league in shots again 400 shots last year plus so i don't yeah. think i mean it, i mean it's all elite right it's just 50 goals elite or 60 goals elite you know what i mean yeah. like it's I, I know what you mean like he's again he's kind of his own byproduct type of deal right so yeah but i mean bergeron it's gonna hurt him a bit but not enough me to really drop him too far down the rankings that's good. fair enough fair enough so, I mean, listen, I mean, when it comes to sleepers, some of these guys can win you a pool. And, Michael, who have you got for us for the 2023-2024 season in regards to sleepers? I've got uh, a couple. So, Thomas Novak in Nashville, um, yeah. 43 points in 51 games last year, was really, really good. Um, I think he can actually probably beat out Ryan O'Reilly for that top center spot. Uh, eventually there. I don't know how fast, but I think at some point he's going to take that over. Um, I've also got Barrett Hayden um, in Arizona, kind of the, the coyotes kind of, you know, get picked on a lot, but I think arguably they had maybe one of the most productive lines in the last few months last year with Hayden, um, excuse me, Smaltz and Keller. They were really, yeah. really good. And I think Keller had 30, or excuse me, Hayden had 34 of his 43 points like in the last uh, three months of the year. So he was really, really, really turning it on. Um, one guy I mentioned earlier with the goalies is uh, Lat- or, uh, Akira Schmid. I think he's, I brought him yeah. as a sleeper, obviously. Um, somebody that can, can be really effective there if he ends up taking that job. Um, and sorry, I'm just trying to pull up my list here. Who else did I have? Um, oh, um, so I have, uh, this is kind of a combination one. I have, okay. this is, this might be a deep sleeper, but Jonathan Druin or, uh, Tomas Tatar, who's ever playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. Yeah. I think one, I think one of them is going to sure. get that spot. Um, and it's going to be very productive. 
for you. So I don't know who's going to win that battle. I think Druin might get the first shot at it, but I hope a, so. Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced he's going to hold on to it. Um, no, but, exactly. <laughs> but he might he might start there. Um, so I think that's that's somebody I would look to. And if he loses out, you know, you can always maybe grab Tatar if, if that's an option for you too. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's one thing that stuck out for me over the summer too with those two players that you just mentioned michael i mean listen you know they they haven't had the greatest of goals over the last little while and it's not like these guys are you know uh 75 80 point guys but for a team like colorado i mean you know you're so top heavy with with all that talent that you're going to eventually lose some players throughout that second and third line and 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 for me and, and marty and i have talked about this a lot I mean, for me, when I saw those two signings, I was like, that, th- those are, when I say can't miss, I, I, what I mean by that is like, those are just two great signings. Like, yeah, value wise, right? To, like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think a good strategy too, we talked about drafting a little bit earlier, like, look for the third wheel on a lot of lines with two really good players, right? Like, yeah. we obviously we mentioned Druin, like, right. and we talked about Pasternak earlier. Is, is Pavel Zaka going to be, his new center there with maybe him and Marshawn, like that's another great guy to look at. So kind of like who's that sort of third wheel on, on a stack line of two really talented players is another good way to kind of strategize. Uh, the only thing I was gonna, the only thing I was going to add to all that, again, it's staying with Colorado a little bit. It's kind of interesting. If you go through their lineup, you see players like Andrew Cagliano. Yeah. And then we talk about Thomas Sitar and Jonathan Duran. Then you got a Ryan Johansson yeah. in there too. It's an interesting Mix piece for them to put together um they've got a lot of players who at one point or another garnered a lot of hype or at least yep. to some degree some hype about their their skills putting them into a, a, a colorado system is interesting to say the least so if you're l- deep into the into the rounds in your in your entry draft those are the kind maybe not cogliano but uh those are the kinds of players that I mean, if you're going to take a gamble on somebody, I mean, Tatar's done it his entire career. Um, Johansson, too, playing on the second line isn't terrible either. And Durant, you, I mean, you might as well roll the dice as well. So interesting to point out Colorado. That's yeah, a, that's they have a, a lot point. of a lot of guys to insulate those players and, and a good leadership, I think, with McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I owe you one more sleeper. Yeah. I'm going to go with maybe not so much a sleeper at this point, but Connor Brown um, playing with McDavid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the line, the line, <laughs> the line combinations have already kind of trickled out and I think people are kind of getting wise to that. So I don't know how late you're going to get him, but um, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know what you guys think, but it wouldn't shock me if he gets 25, 30 goals playing with McDavid. If he stays healthy, right. All year. Yeah. Um, yeah. McDavid's that good. He can just pretty much prop up anybody. So that's, yeah, it's kind of going back to that strategy. I just mentioned, look for, Look for the guys that are just being basically propped up by elite talent. You know, like here in here in Toronto, basically every year you want to grab the guy playing with Matthews and Marner, right? Doesn't matter if it's Hyman or Bunting or this year it looks like it's Bertuzzi, right? Like it just seems like yeah. it's an e- easy 60 yep. points for, for that player. So, Your thoughts on Luke Evangelista? Because you mentioned Thomas Novak, so there's a chance they might play together. Just thoughts yeah, on I, him? another decent option. I think Nashville in general this year, if you're looking at a team that is going to give – like younger guys a chance it's that yeah. to me it's Nashville. Yeah. yeah um there's a lot of players there okay. that i think are going to get shots in the top six maybe tomasino uh as well so we talked a little bit about them on our pod last week just kind of that's a that's a team that feels like it's kind of turning over the roster um so there could be some waiver wire gems like if you if you when you finish your draft i think if you look around the league there's not a ton of top six players usually available on waivers 
I, I think in Nashville that you'll probably find two or three guys playing in the top six that are just sitting on your waiver wire. So depends on how they click. Obviously, you know, the guy playing with Forsberg probably has a, a better outlook. So just, yeah, yeah you have to see how it goes. But yeah, it's definitely, that's someone I'd keep my cool. eye on for sure. Okay, thanks for that. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Michael. Listen, I, we can't we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate it. I know that you're a super busy guy at this time of year. I mean, I mentioned it in the emails, and I'm sure that uh, you're going to be busy, even busier coming up here over the next couple of weeks, uh, getting all the information out to guys like uh, Marty and myself. Uh, we certainly look forward to it. Thanks again for coming on the program and taking the time. Uh, and uh, and we certainly much. look forward to having you on again in the, in the near near future. No problem. Anytime, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Well, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed having Michael Amato on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that guy is just solid gold as far as I'm concerned. Um, but listen, we do have the rest Tons of the show to of go information. on. Tons. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, we probably could have chewed a zero for another hour or so. Yeah, yeah, it. definitely. For uh, sure. But I would have felt bad for him. Uh, we've definitely got more to cover, though. We've got <laughs> Check My Fanny and Around the Boards. Uh, or sorry, not Around the Boards, but Bees and the Beasts. Um, but before we do that, we want to take a quick commercial break from our, a few words from our sponsors, DraftKings, and we'll be right back. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Blue Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And we are back. And of course, we bring with you Check My Fanny. And this one's going to be pretty interesting, bud, because we've got a draft oh, in two man. days. <laughs> so, so I don't know about you. Uh, actually, I do know about you, and I'm pretty sure you're in the same spot as I am. We've been kind of frantically getting some homework done here over the last few days, you know, with with, with all of the um, with all of the information that's coming out with uh, Lots, preseason, too much, and all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, my lists are changing almost on daily, you that's know, up the, and downs here what? and there. So, thank you. So I know <laughs> I'm not I, alone it's, in that. It's, <laughs> no, you're not. So oh, it's kind of going up and down. I don't know what I, I'm doing. I, I really. <laughs> I really hate the fact that I still do this by pen and paper or pencil, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm just not not look, computer look literate look enough here to, to get this done. Look but man, this, this is I know. all <laughs> like, and I I don't know what what this means. I, for those of you who can't see this, obviously, I've got about thirty different little sticky notes, all of them with different messages from that feeling <laughs> for that moment, and that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it hey, listen, it's going to be something. I mean, listen, 
I, I, I'm not going to give away any kind of strategy per se on my end, but uh, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty, I'm feeling pretty confident about what I got going on. I, I, right. I think I'm going to walk away with a pretty competitive team. I mean, probably like first and for, first and foremost, I'm setting goal. Uh, I've got Shesterkin, Sorokin, and the Hellebuck trio. Time. Oh my god! So I'm pretty good there. I don't think I'm going to be using an early pick on on, on any of that, or that is, business. Or are you just um, are you just bullshitting right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> That's, I'm, not, I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> um, move, moving on, moving on, <laughs> moving on. No, uh, no. You know what? Like I got, I've got six of the top twenty four picks, so yes. I'm not too bad there. No. Now, the, the the hitch and the get along is my first pick isn't until pick fifteen, so. There is some stuff that's going on there. To balance that off, though, there aren't many, there are not many teams that are picking before me. Yes, <laughs> that's a good point. Jason's, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I might as well get into some of the some of the interesting points that I have here uh, leading up to the draft. And and one is Jason. And mentioning that there aren't many teams that are picking in front of me because Jason has five of the f- first eight picks, uh, five first round picks. Um, that's first, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh overall. And he also, ha- I, I can't remember the, the picks. I think one's 10 and the other one maybe 13 or something like that um, in the second round. But he's got like seven out of the first 13 picks. Yeah. Uh, the Apocalypse, they have two in the first, uh, six and eight. But he doesn't have another pick until pick 22. Yeah. So he only has three in the first 32 selections. So uh, like the reason I'm mentioning all this is because it makes it that much more interesting when am I going to pick the guy? Yeah. Like, what, you know, should I pick my defenseman now because I don't have another pick for another 15 or 18 picks or whatever? Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of makes it interesting. And Joel's definitely got some decisions, a couple of high picks in the first round. But, you know, what does he do with that in regards to the fact that, he, you know, he's got to wait till the end of the third round for his, his third pick? Yeah. Bucks, the Bucks only have one pick out of the first 24. Oof. It's pick 20, uh, 21. Uh, he is, his team is the latest to have their first pick. In this year's draft, yeah. So some interesting, interesting dilemmas there. Uh, the Brigands, your team, Marty, uh, has got two picks in the first thirty-two at twelve and twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So again, some interesting thoughts. Where am I going to go there? Uh, the defending champs, the Royals. This this is going to be interesting here because he he lost a lot of great players. He had a great team last year, yeah. basically stacked. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of players that he either moved out for for uh, uh, other assets or. Or lost in the you know in handing in his protected list, mm-hmm. so he's got picks 16, 28, and thirty two, so not the highest of picks to add to your championship team. But let's see if he can, you know, strike gold again with with some of the picks uh, that he made in, in in the late rounds in previous years. Certainly paid off for him. So um, you know, another team that's got a lot of picks in, in the first few rounds are the Demons. They have six in the uh, in the first thirty two. Picks 2, 9, 14, 27, 30, and 31. Uh, and uh, last but not least, the Cougars, they have two picks in the first 32 as well, uh, 11th and 19th. So, yeah, a, a lot of this stuff I'm mentioning because it, it starts to, you know, not only do you have, okay, there's only, you know, probably a good 10 defensemen that are available left. There's maybe, you know, a handful of goalies, like five, six at most. Max. Uh, you know, there's probably six, a, there's a plethora of, fo- probably a plethora of forwards. I mean, you know, uh, I wouldn't say there's an outright 90-point guy sitting out there, obviously, but you know this is where things become interesting and who you can get your hands on and when you should make that pick. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how some of the sh- this shakes down 
you know, for me in particular, we're, will really be interesting to see what the Pawn Hogs do. They've got so many high picks that they can really uh, start to fill in a lot of areas. Uh, he's great on defense. He's already got four. So you're looking at forwards and goalies. Um, you know, he's got he's got going to be some options for him. He's got so many picks and such a such a very well balanced nucleus of players currently on yeah. his team. Yeah. He can afford mm-hmm. to do two things at once because he's got all those picks and those players already. Yeah, he does. He can still go young and he can still plug in those players to be com- to be ultra competitive this year. Like I'm I'm. St- I don't want to suggest that he's the team to beat this year because I, I don't know that he's necessarily there. However, I fully expect him to be in the hunt down the stretch. Oh, he's in the hunt. He's in there. Like the whole season, he's going to be one of the teams to contend with from beginning to end. Uh, if you want the championships, I think it's going to have to go partly through Hogs. I think still also the apocalypse uh, with the moves that he did in the offseason. Uh, he's a very, Joel's a very smart, ah, Joel, that, that's weird when I call him Joel. Uh, Joel's a very smart manager. He knows exactly what he's doing. Everything is very well calculated. I think this might be one of the worst um, situations he's ever been in terms of a draft where he's only got the two first, uh, first round selections and then doesn't pick again for until the 22nd. However, I think he lined himself up to actually absorb some of that impact. Because, and now this is where every, like part of all these sheets that I've held up, a lot of this <laughs> is me predicting who's going to do what. And yep. the vast majority of this is playing out what I believe to be at least two, if not three different scenarios for each team. And how, because obviously how is that going to affect me? Because at the end of the day, I'm doing this so that I can pick uh, appropriately. But every year I do this, Man, this league surprises me every time. Like I'm yep. nowhere near what people end up picking, and I'm nowhere near in terms of value to, on certain players at certain times. I'm, I'm. I, it seems like I'm completely lost in terms of what this, the heartbeat of this or the pulse of this league actually is. So, this is this. I'll be honest. So this is one of the first year where I created several scenarios, but they all still. Sp- basically point me into the same direction so i do think i have a better grasp of what i need to attack and when i need to go for it yeah um but you know anything can happen i mean i i I wouldn't be surprised well no i would be surprised i'd be surprised if jason ponhogs that is doesn't do like like a serious mixed bag of obviously he's going to get connor bedard Um, but I do expect him to also get a couple other young kids while at the same time, I would not be surprised if I saw an Alex Ovechkin on his team just to say like, okay, well guaranteed this, you know, everybody knows you want Ovechkin on your team. He's a guaranteed, you know, 35, 40 goal scorer, somewhere in a 65, 70 could be 80 points. Even I do think there's going to be some regression there for him just because of age, but regardless, you're guaranteed to get the points out of him. So Players like that, I do think we're finally going to see those kinds of players back on Jason's team to actually do that, give him that extra push so he can go for that championship. Because he's got a championship caliber team, and he's got championship caliber picks. Well, I mean, those five first-round picks, I mean, heck, I mean, I've gone into first rounds with with a couple of first-rounders, and it just, it starts to open up options for you. One, 
not only for your protected team because you're sitting there and you're like, okay. I mean, especially if you've got some high picks. Like if you've got, you know, a couple of the top five, let's say, you can really start to say, okay, listen, I can let this guy go maybe because, yeah. you know, I'll be, I, 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 I know I'll be able to get someone to either replace him or get that same player back if, if you, I so choose. Yeah. So with his five picks out of the first eight, Again, like you say, I'm kind of blanketing your statement a little bit here, Marty, but he's got so many options of what he can do with it, right? I mean, again, he's already got his four starting D per se. Uh, you know, does he want to add more D? Obviously, you got to have another couple in case of injuries, but he'll be he'll be able to, you know, goaltending is going to be an issue for him, at least with what he's got on his team right now. But that can be somewhat rectified. And what I mean by that is there isn't, there isn't a... a, a, a you know, a, a, a true number one goalie out there per se. No. Uh, either they're in, they're in a kind of a time. You know, Markstrom, you could argue, could be about the only thing that would be out there available as almost a true number one. Yeah. But even that's a little bit fleeting at this particular moment in time. You know, uh, like, if you actually, start the season, maybe that changes, but... Let's, like, just for the listeners, just so listeners are aware of what... Because <laughs> I definitely need uh, one, if not two more goalies on my team. So they're obviously high up on my list. But again, I don't pick till 12th. And then I don't pick again until I think it's 25th or 30th. 25th. Yeah. So that puts me at a, at a disadvantage for sure because I'm not the only team who needs uh, goalies. However, let's just quickly look. Aiden Hill, Philip Grubauer, Sergei Bobrovsky, Jonas Corposalo, uh, Jakob Markstrom, Philip Gustafsson, Vel Husso, and that's it. Those are the best goalies available. That says a lot. Like there's not much. There's No, there is. No. To say that there's not much I think is really – you're underselling it. I think, I, I think right now, if I was to be honest with you, and not to try and give anything away in terms of what I'm looking at or what I would consider, but Corpusallo and Gustafsson are the only two worthwhile goalies going after. Everything after that, it's a crapshoot. Aiden Hill's going to split time at Logan Thompson, 100%. Philip Grubauer just has not played well since he's ever been over in Seattle. Even if he does get dubs, he's still kind of not that great of a goalie he can lose that starting role as he has every year that he's been there Talbot are you kidding me out of LA forget about it Bobrovsky I mean at any given point Alex Lyon's gonna come in or no it's not Lyon anymore eh it's Dalek um yeah John Gibson if he gets traded sure uh Elvis Merzinklins to be honest with you I feel he had a better chance of being uh worthwhile picking up with um with Babs uh, then well, only because I don't know what Vincent is capable of in terms of coaching yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but anyways it's it's slim pickings to, and I'm being generous this is a scary scary situation to be in in terms of goaltender it, it I mean the thing for me is and and you alluded to it already I mean you go into a draft and you just there's always going to be a surprise. You're going to be like, man, I just never expected like maybe that team to go with the defenseman when he's already got four. Yeah, uh, he needed forwards or he needed something else. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, it, it it's really going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and especially because you have those all those other little subplots, pawn hogs with five, and you know, and some teams you know not picking. Uh, very much in the first, like, say, four rounds or whatever. Yeah. So that is going to be super, super um, uh, interesting to see how that all plays out. Yep. We'll be able to give you a lot of info on that on next week's show. For sure. As in a couple of days, we'll be taking care of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's basically Check My Fanny. Yeah. We're going to give you a little, bit of, a little bit more info to come on that. Um, moving over to Beauties and the Beast. And this week... Uh, Marty actually came up with the idea, and we're going to go with three 
players on our fantasies, our own fantasy squads, who we are kind of leaning against. You know, it's you can however you want to word it, plug and play. Uh, you know, just put them into the lineup. Twenty six week for us, it's uh, twenty six weeks. Uh, you know, without a question, even if these guys are only playing like two games a week or potentially even one. Yeah. So there's those three. Um, I will give a heads up that I've already cheated. Uh, so I will let uh, our <laughs> listeners know about that. I have added As more usual. players than I'm supposed to As into Beauties and the Beast. <laughs> and of course, we're going to give, <laughs> as usual. And of course, we're going to give you our beast. We each picked a player that it's, it's not that they're not going to have a decent season. We're just, it, I think we could probably put it as we're concerned yeah. potentially about this particular player. So Marty, why don't you go ahead and start us off with uh, our, your beauties and beast? Sure. Uh, so my beauty is Sidney Crosby right at the top, obviously. I mean, this is really just a no-brainer. The man doesn't know when to say quit. Uh, playing in all 82 games last season and collecting his highest total since 1819. Uh, I have no doubt he'll have another solid year. Adding Carlson obviously doesn't hurt. Um, he's not slowing down. Yes, he's got some more gray hairs on his head this year. Everyone's talking about it. Um, who cares? The guy doesn't look like he's slowing down. Again, playing 82 games last year at the pace that he was, I think he finished with uh, 92 points. Um, mm -hmm. He, when his career is done, the last season he has, he will still be above a point a game player. Uh, that's when he will walk away from from the game. And I, I have no, I have no concerns for Sidney Crosby at all. Uh, like you said, plug and play, set it and forget it. Um, next up. Same thing, Mika, uh, Mika Zibanejad. I'm so happy I got him in that trade last year because he's one of those players who's always been on my radar. But with the Rangers poised to take another run at the Cup, uh, a solid group of forwards, great power play, uh, and quite frankly, a chip on their shoulders uh, given how they were quickly dispelled last year. So the hunger is there, and Mika will be a major driving force for them. I fully expect to start Mika in Week 1 and never take him out unless he's injured, um, <laughs> which is ironic because I believe right now uh, he left uh, a scrimmage because he got injured. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and it um, begins. <laughs> yeah, me jinxing things, right? That's um, that's on me because I wrote this piece yesterday, and the announcement came out this morning that he left practice or the scrimmage yesterday. Um, I I believe it's nothing serious. This is most likely just precautionary. Most, I think. He, exactly. Yeah, he's he. They know it. Him and uh, and Panarin are two of their Walden well, Fox as well. Or th those are the the core pieces to that team. You don't take chances with them. Um, but I'm not concerned. Um, this one might come as a surprise. Um, Andre Kuzmenko. Now, the only questionable thing about Kuzmenko uh, this season is the the fact that he's in Vancouver, uh, because Vancouver. There is some unwritten stuff. There's some bad voodoo or mojo or whatever you want to call it. There's something going <laughs> on in Vancouver that some people can't quite put their finger on. Now, Rick Tockett coming in there, going to give them, obviously, a full season's worth of, you know, <laughs> shut up-ism. <laughs> um, <laughs> tough love, I guess, um, is a very good thing. But beyond that, um, uh, their, their, their entire coaching um, they've they've got some really really good names, and I wasn't aware of this until I saw it on Spittin', Spittin Chicklets. Uh, Gonchar, Foot, and even the Sedin twins coming out to help on their power play. Um, with that kind, of, and I think Kami Ganado is also in there as well. So much experience on that bench. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's such a smart move, and it's really that kind of move is really flown under the radar. Um, I think regardless of what 
happens on the ice with Vancouver, the off ice stuff is actually going to yeah. really take a back. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to happen anymore. And that's going to be nothing but great for Kuzmenko. So I know a lot of people are saying Kuzmenko will regress. He had too much of a, a strong season last year, his rookie season when he was 26 years old, he's 27 now. Um, quite frankly, I disagree. I, I think he's got another... I think we're actually going to see something else. Uh, in fact, I believe Ryan Whitney even said it himself. Uh, he sees... If Vancouver makes it to the playoffs, he sees Ilyash Pedersen be, uh, being handed over the MVP, which, I don't know, Connor McDavid is still Connor McDavid, right? Um, but maybe the, at least the MVP for the team, um, which bodes very well for Kuzmenko. So I, I actually have a lot of confidence in saying that Kuzmenko is going to be another one of my players that I just set it and forget it unless he's injured. <clears throat> which again could be a surprise. And and you know what, Marty, you touched on it with the coaching staff in Vancouver. And listen, I, I don't want to make this big deal of it. It's not like they're going to, you know, put up a, a 60 win season because of that coaching staff. But I will say this Vancouver's, I think we can kind of all agree that Vancouver is what you'll call a middling team, kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. They're not this complete bottom feeder. There's, there's a fair bit of talent there. Um, but they're not like a top five team or a top 10 team either. Yeah. All, all this to say, Marty, with that coaching staff, I, I would be very surprised if that coaching staff does not get the most out of what they have in Vancouver. Good point. What does that equate to in regards to a win total? I do not know. But it's kind of funny. Again, funny that you mentioned that. I was watching a, um, a clip from Spittin' Chicklets, and I think it was uh, Kevin Bieksa was talking to, uh, to Biz and mentioning about that coaching staff. Yeah, that's and the, again, yeah. You, you, again, right? you got Hall of Famers like Gonchar, uh, you know, talking Adam to your Foot. head coach. Like, like, these are guys, like, they, they, they know how to win, Marty. And, and this is something we've talked about before. You know, there's a whole, oh, they added experience and some Stanley, you know, some Stanley Cup uh, know-how to their line. It, that's, that is invaluable. It, they're intangibles. You don't see it on the scoreboard. The guy doesn't put up four or five points a night. But if, but if some of these guys can, you know, and, and, and Bieksa was mentioning it, some just little, teach, little teaching things about the game. Uh, that some of these players can pick up. Again, you're going to get the most out of what that Vancouver roster can give you. What that is will will remain to be seen. But I do think that that coaching staff will bleed that, that roster dry. Good like, point. Yeah. What, you, what you see w with Vancouver this year, that, that, that I think is the best they could do with whatever yeah. their, their roster finally is. So. Yeah. I, I, exactly exactly yeah. so it's gonna be it, it will be interesting but they certainly have set themselves up uh, uh for as much success as that roster can give them exactly actually i'm gonna go out on a limb and say a potential cinderella story candidate is vancouver canucks uh they have all the makings yep. of it right again what are, i think we, you and i talked a lot, a lot about it last year teams that have nothing to lose because their expectations are so low are probably some of the most dangerous, dangerous. Teams out there. Yeah. And you got, you're looking at Thatcher Demko back there and Nets too, like poised for Quinn, a Hughes, on, Quinn Hughes on defense. Quinn, Quinn Hughes on, and, and, and that forward group, listen, I'm not saying that you're nine forwards deep here. No, but, but I'm saying when you can throw, when you can throw guys like Elias Peterson, JT Miller, uh, Brock Besser, you, you know, you can start to throw some of these guys over. Kuzmenko, the hello. Uh, Kuzmenko, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Kuzmenko, my bad. Oh my god, my bad, Kuzmenko. You can, you know, like I mean, even Kuzmenko, this guy's a thirty goal scorer. Yep. So you can start to muster up some offense, and, and you know, 
God knows what they're, what else they're going to bring in for the bottom six. We'll see what happens, sure, yeah. how everything shakes down. But I agree with you, Marty. I mean, the pieces are there for a, Cinder, a little bit of a Cinderella run yep. or squeaking into the playoffs and making some noise kind of deal. The, the, the pieces are there. Does it happen? We don't know. But the pieces are certainly in place for it to, to be a possibility. Yep, exactly. Uh, and now, last but not least, my beast. Uh, touched on a little bit with Michael Amato here because I'm worried. Troy Terry. Um, the whole Zegras thing is not the only reason I'm necessarily nervous, uh, but obviously a big portion of this obviously has to do with Zegras. Now, I do think at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the Anaheim will, will do the right thing and, and give Zegras... I can see it being kind of like probably a one-year deal, maybe like a bridge deal to to something bigger, just to for whatever reason they feel maybe he has something else to prove. I don't know, but whatever's going on with Zegris, it is going to affect Terry, and to some degree, I don't know, I don't know if Terry can necessarily do without Zegris for too long. So I I I feel, and that's even with Zegris in the lineup. I feel that to some degree, what's happening right now is going to have a negative effect on Zegris. Um, so there's a lot to be said about attitude uh, and what you bring to the table. So let's say they do get a deal done. And let's say I'm right, it is a one-year deal. Um, I think that pisses him off. Um, I think it takes Zegris a little bit longer to find the maturity to move past it and play his game, which then in turn obviously affects Terry. So I think in the long run, Terry right now is my biggest question mark where I'm just not sure what kind of player I'm going to get out of Terry because of what's happening to Zegras. So he's my question mark where I'm not 100% sure. And there's more pressure for me to, to want more out of him because I went out and I traded for him specifically because I enjoyed the concept of Terry and Zegras. I wanted a piece of that action. And now they've gone out and gotten Cooley as well. Like Anaheim looks good young and they're and I needed to get young. I, I had to do it. So I, I didn't put all my chips in Terry, but I put a lot of chips on Terry and you know, if this is my first season with him, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. Well, listen, I, I will say this, and, and I'll preface everything by saying Pat Verbeek may be a hard ass, and, and, and he may just put his foot in the sand and he may not budge. But my personal opinion is this. Look at where the Anaheim Ducks are right now, okay? And, and like, I'm not trying to say that, they're, they're, you know, they're going to lose a franchise. No, no, I'm just saying that. <laughs> Right now, they're, they are in a rebuild, okay? You've got some nice pieces in, in, in the fold, Zegers being one of them, okay? Yes, it sounds like they're pretty far apart. Is there any kind of an attitude issue? I, I, listen, I, I don't know. What I do know is that percep the perception from the fan base is that team better sign that player. Yeah. Okay? Per period. Yeah. And so when it comes to Troy Terry... And the link up with Zegris, I suppose the only thing I would worry about is when does Zegris sign and when does his motor start cranking? Because unless he's allowed going to get on the ice, and I don't believe you can, if you don't have a contract, you can't get on the ice. He can only continue to work out on his own. Mm -hmm. But we all know that working out on your own and then jumping into game 10 are two different can of worms. Very so, different. So my... my my worrisome part would be when does the motor really start getting going with Zegers? Because that's when R Terry will really start rolling. Can he get it done on his own? A little bit, a little bit. I do wonder. But, but how much can he, he pull on his own? You know, again, uh, Michael mentioned it. Uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, 
Mason McTavish is a possibility. Maybe he goes up there and maybe that's a nice little combo. We'll see. But Troy Terry, I think, is going to be okay. I, I do think you get a 60-65 point out of this guy. I think that where the question is, is can we push into the 75-point stratosphere without with Zegris around him? Yeah. or with with well with him or 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 does he you know does he regress even further than a 60 65 yeah. uh, with you know so that's there's this kind of 15 to 20 point window where it could really swing one way or the other obviously we know which way you're hoping it swings <laughs> and and let's hope that, that that does happen for for terry and your fantasy team um but I mean, Anaheim's got to sign him. They got to sign him, dude. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry, earlier I said Coolio. I meant Carlson, uh, Leo Carlson, obviously. But uh, mm -hmm. I also want to mention that Trevor Zegras. So I mentioned it with uh, Michael Amato. So I, I found the t finally found the tweet. Trevor Zegras practicing in Connecticut. So absolutely love the 30th anniversary pants. So he's actually wearing the 30th anniversary pants, which are part of the uniform for this year. So that's kind of why I was excited. I'm like, oh, at least he's on the ice and he's showing that he's got that's, updated jersey yeah. equipment, right? So that's encouraging. But, again, it's in Connecticut. It's not where the rest of the gotta, team is practicing. <laughs> got to have pen the paper, right? I mean, all you can have all the good feels you want, but if pen's not the paper yet, you get a little bit worrisome. And we are, you know, about two weeks out here from the start of the season. So it's like, uh, you know, let, when's this going to get done? So I can see where yeah. both yourself is a little, a little worried and also I would imagine Anaheim fans are a little bit concerned as well. Yeah. And that's it. Up to you, Mike. Okay, doke. So let's start off with uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you know, another one that Michael Shocker. Amato mentioned earlier on the show. Uh, you know, ba basically second best player in, in the league on the planet. Uh, not too much to say there. I I do think he pushes uh, past his career high of 20, uh, 128 points, uh, which he put up last year. Uh, listen, he's, again, we talked about it earlier, Marty. This is one of those guys, just a complete staple. You put him in the lineup every week. I mean, you even with some of these weeks where he may potentially play one game, the guy can go off for five points. So it's one of those things where you just got to take the gamble. Yeah. Um, next up, Miko Rantanen. Listen, the big moose continues to be a driving force for the abs. And with Gabe Landeskog on the shelf for the 23-24 season, you know, I've mentioned it before that I really do think he's going to be leaned on even more for production, but in, even more so in a leadership role as well. Uh, you know, he's been around here. He's been around for the cup win. He's been around for some of the lean times. He's been around for it all. So this is a guy that some of these younger players potentially can lean upon or new players coming into the lineup and trying to acclimatize themselves. The only thing that I would worry me just a little bit, and it didn't really come to fruition uh, much, and the point production was there, so it, it all worked out for me last year. But when, when they do tend to want somebody on the second line, he does tend to go to that second line, and I do believe he centers that second line. So... I mean, me personally, obviously, for my fantasy team, I hope he stays on line one with uh, uh, McKinnon. Um, now, having said that, he has played a little bit on the second line, and it hasn't seemed to overly affect his production. So, you know, maybe I'm worried for nothing, but it's always a little bit of a concern. Yeah. Um, so here's here's where I, here's where I start cheat. Well, here's where I start. Here's where I start and finish cheating. <laughs> um, I, I I wanted to put. Kirill Kaprizov in here uh, solely uh, as the number three uh, for that. But I really had a pull with Rasmus Dahlin and with with Buffalo, with, with the offense that they are going to be pumping out this year. I get it. The, the enormous, enormous amounts of talent that are around him, both yeah. veteran, middle-aged, and young, is just ridiculous. 
And I just, I mean, the guy, if I'm not mistaken, he put up 73 points last year. I, listen, I'd be lying here, Marty. I, I think this guy can push over 80. I think, you know, I, I, I'd be pretty happy with an 85-point season from this guy. Um, you know, obviously our goals are a little bit different. They're two points for a goal. Maybe that pushes him, you know, close to the century mark. I'd be thrilled with that, obviously. Uh, but I do think that in one way, shape, or form, uh, he does push past his 73 points from last year. And, it, you know, again, if I'm being really truthful, I really see an 80-point season to him. Uh, uh, no questions asked. Um, we'll see how that all shakes down. Uh, as for Kaprizov, again, it's not that I don't uh, uh, see him as kind of my third best guy. I just see that he, see that he has a little bit less talent around him. I mean, listen, he, he's the guy in Minnesota. He's, he's the yep. engine. Uh, he's the guy that drives drives that Ferrari. Um, he, he's going to be it. Power play one, uh, all the all the uh, first line minutes that he can handle. There's there just isn't as much around him, and I would think that he, for him to hit his hit his ceiling, he needs a little bit more help than Darlene would. Yeah. So there's kind of where point. there's kind of my cheating. I've got Rasmus Dahlin and Kirill Kaprizov as my third uh, beauty this week. My beast. Now I'm going to preface this all by saying, I I do believe I believe in Hedman. I I really do believe he's going to have a decent season. As a matter of fact, I think he's going to have a bounce back. Um, you know, we're talking about Hedman here, so may, maybe I'm not. It's not a hot take that he would have a bounce back from a 49 point season. But w- what I mean by bounce back is I think this guy gets gets back to a 60 65 point uh, uh, player potentially even more. Having said that, <laughs> I'm quite aware that Mik- Mikhail Sergachev does loom large. Uh, you know, th- they did basically switch roles in regards to the power play at- last year. Sergachev took over PP1 and Hedman was on PP2. So does that continue this year? Yes or no? I just, listen, Hedman been arguably one of the top three, top five defensemen for what? The past decade? Yep. 11, 12 years, maybe. Let's just oh, go yeah. a decade, even. Yeah. I, I just, I, I believe that with all the hockey they played over the past three years, uh, you know, that wear, that's a wear and tear on your body. And this guy isn't just like a 5'8", 175-pound forward. He's a 6'6", 220-some-pound defenseman. Like, there's wear and tear on that body. Yep. And I, I would have to hope, and again, I believe that a summer of rest for both the Lightning and for Hedman himself, are going to do wonders for his fantasy season coming up. Does he actually outscore Sergachev? I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm not here to say that. But what I am here to say is I think he's going to have a bounce back year. I. Th- I personally think he could be pushing the sixty point uh, uh, threshold. Um, you know, if, if you want a bigger window, look for maybe that six, 55 to sixty five window uh, for for Hedman to fall in. But I do think he's going to have a little bit of a bounce back season. But I'd be lying if, as my 12th protected player, he was my last protected player, <laughs> there wasn't a little bit of a concern, especially when it does come to Mikhail Sergachev. So, Hedman, you do actually fall into my beast, even though I still believe in you, buddy. You <laughs> want to know the real reason why you put him there, Mike? Because deep, deep down, you agree with me. Tampa's not making it to the playoffs this year. No, no. <laughs> yes, it is. Me and Dauber, <laughs> me and Dauber are going down in history as the only two people who ever knew this. <laughs> I am going to fight you tooth and nail on that. 
No problem. Listen, I've got I've got the Lightning finishing first in the Atlantic. I, you know, you uh, got, check out you. Our, check out our se- check out our second episode. You can listen to all our predictions in regards to <laughs> all the divisions. But I, how I, wrong I Mike cannot... has going to be again. You know what? It, you, you know wrong what? With Calgary, I'm okay. you be wrong with Tampa. Dude, I'm I'm so okay if I'm wrong with the, the Lightning not finishing first. But out of the playoffs, dude. Dude, oh my. the latest with Stamkos. This is this is not helping. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. There's going to be issues in that dressing room this year for the first <laughs> time ever. It's going to be an issue in Tampa. I'm telling you right now, they're not they're not making it to the playoffs. Okay. All right. That's fair. We ate listen, doubling we, down. We 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 we, we bet a, a case of beer on this. So Full hey, it's case got a little beer. bit of weight. It's got, yeah, man. It's got some weight to it. That's for yeah. sure. So <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm I'm feeling confident in it. I, I know my lightning can get the job done. I think you're up against it. I think it could be a long season when it comes to this little issue. <laughs> but that that is oh, that is okay. It is okay. That is okay. Part we'll be just fine. And there it is. And, and of course. No. And of course we do we, well we just want to we do want to mention of course, we didn't mention it at the start of the show, but of course, Two Legs is brought to you by oh, the yes. Hockey Podcast Network and yes. sponsored by DraftKings. DraftKings. Oh, Ooh. thank you very much. Appreciate the support. Ep- episode, episode three. three. Love it. Books. In the books. Oh, oh man. That one was so ten. Good. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you are interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G A L A G. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Cheers.